Hi everyone, and welcome back to Cursed, I guess. Um, there's been a little bit of a hiatus and um, some change-ups. Uh, if you've been listening to my other podcast, Hex Files, then you've heard some updates and stuff. But to start, uh, Cricket stepped away from the project, so um, we wish her well. But I do want to continue it for my sake and everybody else's. Uh, so... I hope I'm not too rusty, but uh, as a welcome back and kind of the start to the second year uh, of Cursed as a podcast, I just turned a year old in September. So been busy moving and all of that fun stuff, but I did get a chance to sit down with Cindy Brennan, which um, has been a long time coming for me and the podcast and all the listeners. Um, she was on our live stream uh, as a surprise guest, so if you want to go listen to that, it is um, a few episodes back. Uh, but anyway, we uh, talked about Curses, Poisonous Plants, her new book, Synchronicities, Hecate, all that good stuff. So that's what you're going to hear. We uh, hosted it live um, via Zoom on her Keeping Her Keys coven um, for her members. She's got it, the whole video posted there. As a thank you to patrons, I'm going to post the whole video, including the questions and answers, because I took those out of here for the sake of time. But uh, if you want to hear that, um, you can check out our Patreon. You can find that at patreon.com forward slash cursed hex files. Or to make it easier on you, there's a link down below in the show description. And mentioning Patreon, um, I do have some shout outs to do. Um, so for the Haints, we have Corian Lane of New World Witchery, Joanne, Melissa D., Chris of Pagan Ironworks, Ashley C., Amanda F., Tori, Mary, Allison, Aura, Shannon, Alex, Ashley M., Liz, Amanda of Bellfire Apothecary, and for Poltergeist, we have Rachel the Pickety Witch, Temple, Luna, Starfriend, Heather, Aviel, Jessica, Tiffany, Stephen, Zach, The Church Grim, Lilith, Stephanie, Emily, Jen, and Nessie, and then our Phalian tier, which doesn't really exist except for one person, it is Brett. Um, so I thank you all for your support. If you've noticed, uh, if you are a patron um, right now, both podcasts are featured on there. Um, makes it a little bit easier on me, and it gives you more perks and more content. Maybe, I think at the end of this year or the beginning of next year, I'm going to be adding some more tiers with some cool perks and um, trying to get a merch store going for both podcasts. Um, so that is in the works. Um, it's taking a little bit to get the logos right. Um, I don't want to just paste and stick it on a shirt. But more information to come on that. Let's see, what else do I need to go over? Oh, well, Hex Files is now its own podcast. So if you're listening to this and you enjoyed Hex Files, that's going to be its own, and it's already in its own place. So if you're looking for those episodes here, you're going to have to go subscribe and follow Hex Files on its own. Uh, I will be doing crossover events, especially soon. I'm going to do like an alien special, um, at least start the topic of aliens for Cursed in a more spiritual um, past life idea, and then maybe some more of the crazier tinfoil ideas of aliens on hex files just to keep it you know not super crazy but uh that being said uh would love if you checked that one out too follow rate and review both podcasts if you would it really helps me out um and helps me to keep doing this so 
Another thing is you'll hear on Hexfiles, you can see me uh, the end of this month at Gather the Witches event that is put on by uh, Witch With Me. Um, you can find them on Instagram at witch.with.me. And um, tickets are in the bio, uh, link in the bio on Instagram, Twitter, things like that. Um, and it's on the Hexfiles one. So it's me with Hexfiles doing an event, um, which we had a lot of fun recording. There's so many good presenters there that um, the ticket price for the full access, which we'll be under, uh, is a great deal uh, because you get this information and these presentations and these videos for ever. Um, so if you want to grab your ticket, grab it from us. So um, I think that covers everything I wanted to let everybody know. Again, I appreciate your support. I appreciate everybody still listening. Um, Cursed is going to be a little bit guest-driven now uh, moving forward. Maybe there'll be another host. We'll see. However, uh, right now, um, like you said, you're going to listen to me talk to Cindy. And then um, next episode I'll uh, have up. I'm, I talked to Corey of New World Witchery, and um, that one was a lot of fun too. So I'm going to try to keep giving you guys the, the same content that you're used to um, and maybe do a little bit deeper dive um, into some topics and things that um, don't really get discussed in the pagan community um, or the witchcraft community. So without further ado, here is that interview. Hope you enjoy. Okay, so um, this is Cursed, and I'm not rusty at all. And um, today I have Cindy Brandon on, who, um, if you're listening to this, you probably already know um, that Cursed has always fangirled over her and um her work so um you're author of keeping her keys you've got a new book coming out um like in a month almost a little over a month but i'm glad to have you on because it's been a long time coming well i'm super happy to finally be sitting down and having this conversation uh, you and i chat often anyway but to actually sit down and do this for the podcast you know i enjoy your podcast i'm I really appreciate the like the diversity of topics that um, you discuss and you know that you always bring humor you bring like humor and intellect to the magic or the paranormal which I think is really really great way to kind of talk about these subjects you know there is a lot of times there's there's humor to be had right uh, in whatever we're talking about right it, you know and I think humor is really magical yeah, especially yeah. when especially in 2020 like if we need to like hang on to it we need to bind our humor our sense of humor to us so we can remember that you know it's okay to laugh yeah when i'm not crying i'm trying to <laughs> laugh about things um, uh, everything's going so great in america um but no um for those that don't know uh you are in nova scotia um and we've talked before in various places about you're kind of familiar with Appalachia a little bit, right? Like, um, so yeah, it's just, it's fun to bond with somebody, um, not just because, you know, they're both like Hecatean or anything, um, but on just kind of, I guess, the way they practice and view things. Um, so yeah, I would say we kind of hit it off um, in the beginning and uh, it's just been like nice that you've helped kind of, um, I don't want to say jumpstart, but, you know, share and talk about Cursed and spread the word. And, like, you're genuine about it because that was the thing that I always said was, oh, shit, if Cindy's t 
talking about you and sharing you, then she definitely gives a shit about it and likes it because you're not the bullshit person that's like, oh, check this out because they really bugged me about it. It's like, no. So uh, it meant a lot and it still means a lot. And um, so excited to have you on. And for Cursed going forward, um, there will be a lot more guests in the meantime, um, but we're still going to cover topics. Like I've got plans for, um, like I said, Corey's coming on to talk about corpse magic. Um, what we're talking about tonight, um, we want to talk about sex work and witchcraft and um, what that's like. Uh, and then we're going to talk about aliens um, because there's like some spiritual aspects and stuff. And that'll be a crossover with um, the now separate Hex Files, which if you like Hex Files on Cursed, you can go listen to that as its own entity. Um, there's some cool stuff coming up with that. But yeah, I, I want to keep that same. I didn't want to lose the um, what it started as. Like, there's so many good witchy podcasts out there, and there's so many good witchy books. But there's a lot of 101 stuff, but there's not always stuff that just like kind of addresses, um, you know, all the ins and outs, at least that I'm familiar with. And I know there's some good ones out there, but um, for me, I kind of, I didn't really want to talk about a deity every week or crystal or an element. Um, we have, and I think those have places, but um, why compete with some great podcasts out there and like the 101 stuff that um, is very valuable, but it's kind of like, well, if it's worth doing, like, what can you bring to the table? That's, I mean, everything under the sun's been done. So, um, <laughs> but I think that's like one of the things that has always appealed to me about your work is, um, especially with Hecate, it was a very, not only a personal connection and seemed very fitting and similar to my experiences, but also the way you approach it and talk about it. Like one of your phrases that I've used since I heard it and understood it was death walker. And I, I come from the same kind of line of thought of if you work with Hecate, you're usually called to some stuff that most people aren't either comfortable with or they're not familiar with. Um, so your work has always kind of gone there uh, when you were doing the blog and stuff. And uh, I mean, not that you've stopped, but that's where I first discovered you. Um, and then since you've got a book, you've got another one. So um, you've been very successful, I think, um, in your viewpoints and you don't like back down. And like, that's always been kind of like my idea with Cursed is like, don't compromise on shit just to please or to fit in or sound like it. And the genuineness comes through. So um, I think having you on is like a great way to start kind of a new phase of Cursed. It's going to be like a MCU type. This is a different phase and now we're doing multiverses. No, uh, but it's kind of like a good way to jumpstart because I want this to come out in like October. Um, hopefully I won't have to edit too much. And uh, I think it's a good way for people maybe to feel comfortable. Like it's not going to change much. Um, it got kind of like, well, is it going to continue? Am I going to change the name? What am I going to have to do? And uh, mm -hmm. luckily I was able to keep all that and move forward. So hopefully it can keep its same like magic and, um, you know, not disappoint um, anybody that was already a fan. Uh, so yeah, I think there's a lot of exciting stuff and I'm just so excited that this is the, I guess the first in months that I've recorded actually under curse that's, um, that gets to feature you. And uh, I think a lot of listeners appreciate that. Um, and I think there's like some crossover between either here and like the um, your podcast. So 
all that being said, um, some of the topics we wanted to touch on tonight were like curses, um, your upcoming book. Um, unfortunately, my Belladonna is not doing great because something ate it. But um, there's what familiars we want to touch on. So um, yeah, I'm very ready to like jump into all the fun. And what is wrong with my screen? Oh, um, but anyway, yes. So uh, for those who don't know, um, can you tell us a little bit about, not for the people here, but can you tell us a little bit about, um, I guess, how all this started? Or is that stupid? You've probably said that like a million times. Right? Question. I love that question. Um, and I was just, I I've been listening to kind of like your intro riff and you just touched on so many things. And I'm like, oh, I want to talk about that. And I want to talk about that. And I want to talk about that. So I think we'll, I think the chat will flow easily. Um, so how I all got started, um, you know, it's like, it's one of those things that I have done a lot of interviews and I usually start with a story of, well, I was the peculiar child who was always talking to spirits and hanging out in the woods and didn't really fit in, in the everyday world very well, in spite of, you know, the best efforts of my parents trying to shape me into <laughs> something I wasn't. I get that. Uh, I get right? That. I was thinking about that the other day. I was, I was really, I really, when I was um, around, I would say like six to eight, I really was, I was thinking about this and I was really, like I really wasn't doing well at being in the material world. Let's have, you know what I mean? Like I really, yes. and, and, and I had all these spirits, nightmares. They live in the woods. Right. And I would have all these nightmares and I developed these, um, like bizarre phobias because I was was having like these chronic nightmares. So that's, I mean, you can edit that out. That's a weird, we can come back to that later. But here's the official spiel. Um, <laughs> I've always felt called since I was a really small child to what I now sort of describe as the deeper world, you know, the unseen world. And I, when I talk about the unseen world, I mean, the unseen world of spirits, of archetypes, um, the, and the unseen world within ourselves, you know, the subconscious, the unconscious, the soul. I've always been really, really drawn to the depths. Uh, you know, the, if it's deep, Leonard Cohen in his last album has a song called You Want It Darker. Um, and I think that, you know, and I want it darker, not in the sense that I want things to be gloomy or right. negative, but in the sense I want it darker. Like if you think of like the deeper world as something you find when you kind of swim down into a river, I want to keep swimming down into that river until it gets really dark. And, you know, and, and I feel that I can see the best there. And you know, along the way, I did some things. I became a psychologist, um, you know, an academic, a researcher, and so on. Some some things. Some things. Did some I did things. Some things like I did some things. And still, really had this like deep, like almost a compulsion, you know, to understand um, the deeper world. Like whether it's like reading the works of William James and you know Jung and becoming in depth psychology 
or if it was the occult, you know, it, it was always about, I wanted to go deeper. I think like, it's like, I've always been like a deep diver and, and then, you know, I really had this calling to by Hecate, this awakening within me kind of spontaneously quite a few years ago. And, you know, I, I've made a choice like with, with it, if you're a Hecatean, you get the symbolism of the crossroads so intuitively, like you come to a crossroads, you can stay there, you can go backwards, but eventually you're going to loop back to the same crossroads. And, and you, it's like, well, are you going to go on a different track? Are you going to answer the call this time? So I finally did, came up with the name Keeping Her Keys. Um, and uh, away we went. And I've really been fortunate that, uh, I, you know, it's been very, keeping her keys, I think of keeping her keys as a spirit onto herself. So if I talk about keeping her keys that way, that's because that's how I, keeping her keys is a spirit that I take care of. It's my job to nourish keeping her keys and take care of her and do the best I can to bring her into the world. So keeping her keys has, has had incredible success and keeping her keys is very healthy and robust. And uh, that's funny that you say that because that's how, in the beginning, Curse was like, oh, it'll be this. And then it kind of just became this thing and it feels like its own entity. And um, so when it was touch and go, I'm like, well, will it continue um, if it's just me? And it's like, I feel like it will. And, you know, somehow. So I think that's really fascinating that you say that it has become the spirit. It's interesting. We were, um, I just did a new episode of, of the Keeping Your Keys podcast, which is more like, uh, you know, I have certain things I want to go deeper in with my books that I do a podcast and it's basically more like me lecturing for an hour than, you know, than a podcast. It's like, I want to talk about this thing. Uh, it's in my books and I didn't have enough words in the book to say what I had to say. So I did um, a podcast about Hecate's triplicities. And afterwards we had, it was the equinox. So we had like a coven uh, ritual and uh, we were talking about Hecate's triplicities. We had a really beautiful panel um, within the coven. And I said, I feel like me keeping her keys and Hecate are a triplicity. You know, that, that she's right. like the source and I'm like the agent or the actor, you know, and that, keeping her keys is like the entity and like that's that's a our triplicity you know what I mean that's and yeah. it's uh, it was just kind of something that occurred to me that uh you know there that kind of triplicity I, there's if you're a Hecatean you get that uh threes the number three Ooh. is something that can be very symbolic and also very synchronistic right like we often see things in threes so that's uh, um since kind of all of this started before when it was like my wife and I were separating earlier this year and dealing with all the stress um that came along with it like when I'm kind of decided like this needs to be addressed and this needs 333 which has popped up here and there was just ongoing ridiculous amounts of just this is insane from cells like tags to license plates to the clock to waking up and it's just now four 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 is in there and um i always love a good six 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 but um yeah so 
if you're familiar with Hecate, you've definitely seen the threes. Um, when I moved here, uh, I just got a new place um, in Charlotte and I did not expect to see a snake on like the first night, but I did. I saved it from the little sidewalk because I was like, somebody's going to step on this or kill it. And, um, and I was like, damn, the four places I've been, I've always, or three places so far, I've heard of Bard Owl since I started working with Hecate. Mm. Never heard one since growing up in the woods. And here in the city, there's some trees in the apartment complex. Like the first week I'm hearing them and I'm just like, okay, like we can get into it later, but I've said before, she's the distant one, but yet it's always kind of like, I'm here when you're doing these big steps. Here's some threes. <laughs> here's a snake. <laughs> yeah, here's an owl. Yes. And it's up to you to pay attention to them. <laughs> right. Right? You know, like, and that's one of the, something I, I talk about a lot with the students is, you know, stop chasing her for attention and just pay attention. Yeah. Right? Like, you, like you're paying attention for the sound of the owl. You saw the snake and immediately, because you're connected, you know, to her, like to the symbolic world, you knew that snake was a sign. Right. And, and, you know, like it doesn't always have to be a big elaborate ritual. It can literally be you are just being open uh, and you're receiving the signs that are already coming at you, whether right. it's like noticing a lot of threes. Um, and so I think that's really cool that you mentioned all those synchronicities because I, because I think that's so important. Um, for people to really sit with that rituals are great, spells are great, the world is magical, and it is just waiting for you to pay attention to it. Yeah, the weird thing is, um, and somebody might can explain this to me, is when I decide, like, Hex Files kind of became its thing because it was going to be a bonus. And it was always like, oh, I'm going to read articles that are like witchy and all this. Uh, the old name was like Liminal Listens. Um, and so it was like in between weeks, you know, 20 minutes. And then Hex Files kind of became a thing. And when I decided this is like a thing, I've been seeing Bigfoot, not actual Bigfoot yet, but like stickers and just signs and bumpers like everywhere. And I'm like, okay, so I know Hecate sends owls and snakes. But who's sending Bigfoot? Is it is it just Bigfoot? Um, and I'm sure you have some in Nova Scotia. But um, yeah, as far as that, like, I probably get most of my little nods in like what path I've decided um, by seeing those things. And sometimes what's the old, it's like a quote or something. Sometimes just a rabbit is just a rabbit. But then like, you know, if you've been doing it long enough and you are kind of in touch and in tune, you know when like, okay, why is there a snake on the sidewalk um, in my path, not anybody else's, Right. that I scooped up as a little brown snake. Like I'm here with like drinking my beer with a hat and talking about picking up snakes. Uh, so it's definitely come, come to Appalachia. Um, but no, it's, uh, it's definitely, you know, you know, when you've got the synchronicities and that'll have to be a show um later on about just what those are and like how to look for them right and and how did like tell the difference like you said like so the snake was an unusual occurrence in a city um where what's funny is so i lived in i grew up in like the middle of nowhere in 
like the woods, will legit like play out camp every night. Never heard barred owls, saw a snake maybe once or twice. Um, and I've always, you know, one time it was a copperhead, one time it was a green snake. I picked up the green snake and like played with it. But, um, and owls, it's like, I never heard owls. And if you've ever heard an owl, you know it's a fucking owl. Like you don't accidentally think like, what could that noise be? They're pretty owlish. And so it wasn't until my first experience with Hecate calling on her and thinking like, oh my gosh, like, what am I even doing? This isn't real. And then hearing a barred owl wake me up at 3 a.m. And ever since I've seen them, I've heard them. And sometimes I can tell, oh, that's just maybe like a little like, oh, hey, universe, I see you, I see the owl. And then there's other times where it's, there's something so big and heavy and I feel so like overwhelmed and it's like, I'll hear them or I'll see one fly in front of the car. And it's just like, holy shit. And that just doesn't happen to me or at any point. Um, snakes, as much as I love them, I just don't see them that often. Um, and then, like I said, it took moving to Charlotte for and for owls for a snake to be on the um, sidewalk, not even in the grass, like on the stairs. I was taking the dogs up and I'm like, oh shit, let me put them up. Let me go get the dustpan get this little guy because he was fast. I couldn't grab him. <laughs> and um, I put him off in the little wood line, which it's not much of a wood line, but I was like, oh, somebody's going to, because, you know, they look like big worms, basically. Um, so I just think it's funny. Um, I see hawks all the time, and I know I have friends that see hawks, and they're like, oh, shit. But they've never really symbolized anything for me because I see them all the time. Um, and I'm sure that's some people, they might have a nest of snakes under their house. So a snake, seeing a snake to them doesn't mean anything, but it's when you see those things that you know are related and you don't ever see them. It's just, they stand out. And I think, I think once you start thinking, oh shit, is that a sign? Like the floodgates kind of open and it's almost like you open another sense to me. Like you start seeing them more and it's like chicken or the egg. Were they always there? And you were just too, is a little bit of both. I think the more you see them and it's like, well, now that they're catching on, I'm going to fucking send them more. Um, but they've not been listening <laughs> until now. So um, in my personal experience, Hecate has been a very big, like maybe a few times this overpowering like sense of like, I'm here. I feel you, you called on me. But most of the time it's those little, those little signs. Um, that's kind of like you're doing, you're doing good like after you do a tarot reading and you make a decision and you're like okay I think I'm going to do this and then day after day you start seeing those threes then I'm like I know I've still got work to do but I feel like that's a good sign <laughs> right I think it's progress I think what what happens is that as we learn as we learn to um to trust that, you know, in psychology, what I would call the numinous, you know, the sacred, the deeper world, whatever you want to call it, um, that that we learn to trust that because you, you made a really good point because you said something about, is this even real? And I think that's such a good point to make because that's definitely one of the big questions I get asked is like, am I crazy? I think, you know, an ancient goddess of witchcraft. Right. Um, and the night is calling me and I'm like, well, does it feel like there's a ping? 
Right. right? There's a ping within you. There's a vibration, a resonance. Yeah. Um, and once you kind of learn to trust that little ping, uh, then it's like when you see the snake, it's like little ping. And it's like, oh, that is something that I should pay attention to. I think, you know, it's funny. We live in this world in the 21st century that is in such rough shape um, that we live in a world that has really become so literalist, right? Mm -hmm. That if you can't put it on the table, it's not real. If you can't measure it, if you can't sell it, if you can't, you know, quantify it in a way that meets a certain very literalist criteria, then, you know, we've been so conditioned to be like, oh, it's not real. Yeah. Uh, and we kind of deny the fact that we, most of us spend, you know, six to eight hours every night in a world that we might consider is not real if we have this kind of literalist perspective like we are we spend time in the spirit world every night when we dream and i think it's just such um like it's just so sad that you know like people will say oh it was just a dream or it was just my imagination as though somehow these things are not valid and not important but like if you are a hecatean and you are within the spirit of um you know like of having a relationship with hecate and honoring her spirit and connecting even to her ancient witches like they dealt in the world of the symbolic they were not literalist hecate is not a literalist like you know <laughs> Right, like she, she's, she's not like she's not a twenty-first century human being who's been conditioned to think that dreams aren't important, that signs aren't important, uh, you know, that rituals, you know, you know, like rituals don't lead to something deeper and more powerful. Right. Like she doesn't know that. Like she doesn't know about these things that we or would really give a shit. <laughs> give a shit, right? Yeah. They're not her concern. So she's, you know, like, so that she comes to us and speaks to us in our dreams and our imagination and in signs, because right. that's the, that is, she's of the spirit world and the spirit world is symbolic, not literalist. And it, so, so like I said, it's one of my pet peeves when anyone says, oh, is this real? Or, or was it just my imagination? Or it's just a dream. It's like, whoa, no, wait, I want to just scream and be like, you need to just let that go. Let it go. It's real. It's as you know. It is real because it exists. Just because we can't put it on a table doesn't mean it's not real. Well, I mean, that's my I, rant. That's my rant. <laughs> I, I try to be skeptical, and it's hard to think that somebody who likes um, chasing cryptids and monsters and looking for ghosts is like skeptical. But I mean, to me. I've always approached it in a sense of, I don't believe in orbs unless they're like there. <laughs> um, but like, you know, when you're out in a graveyard and you're kicking up dust and there's particles and there's little orbs in the picture, like maybe one of them was a ghost, I don't know, but why run away with every little thing? And I think it's the same thing with the synchronicities and signs. Um, when I moved and I thought, fuck, this is a big liminal, I was in a liminal spot for a long time. Mm -hmm. um, my ex and I, when we separated, it was very mutual. 
However, it was also in the middle of stay at home orders for the pandemic. So that trying to like her work from home and me actually get to go and then I actually got COVID um, in like end of May, it, it was rough because it's like, I didn't, I couldn't get away from it. My day's off. It's like, how do I, I can't go. So I stayed to myself, um, did all these things. And then we tried to sell the house. We worried about it. So there was like those times where I was so overwhelmed. Witchcraft was, my altar stuff was packed up. Hecate, my statue was like the last thing I put up. And even that was like on the shelf with um, like everything from like jewelry to um, like a, just all kinds of things that it's like, but I just didn't, I know that's not her per se, but you know, and the U-Haul that I got to move the stuff had fucking snakes on it. Like I didn't pick it. It was <laughs> yeah. sitting there and I was like, if it's the one with like nine snakes on the front, like if anybody's seen the U-Hauls and right before I did that one, there was one I saw in town with an alien on it. So I'm like, okay, aliens check, snakes check. Um, Bigfoot now, check. Um, I see over there in the chat, Jersey Devil. Yeah, I, I'm cool with seeing signs of that too. But um, I think there's times where it's like, I don't need this grandiose thing. I see snakes on the U-Haul that's moving me to my new beginning. And I see that as her kind of here. You know, like this is, I didn't do this for you, but you're never far from it. And, you know, um, that's how I personally like to look at things, um, you know, as far as synchronicities and how Hecate kind of shows you things. I've had dreams where she's come to me and as a snake and talked to me, um, but that's rare for me. Most of the time it's those little like kind of nods, I think, and assurances. Um, and it helps you just like feel a little bit of calm and go on. So um, I think I've talked about before that she does have some calming aspects. Um, but she's not a, I'm going to hold your hand 24 seven and guide you. It's kind of like, I mean, there you go, you know, go have at it, but it's not abandonment, right? Like, I mean, I think some people might be like, oh God, she's not listening to me. Um, but even more and more in my practice, even though I'm still a Hecatean, I don't even like, I would consider myself more of a, on day to day basis of like an animist is that's just and I feel like she loves that, that it's like, okay, you're working with the spirits of this, this, and this. It's like, I've been a big proponent of whether it's Ava or the spirits around me is like, those are the ones that interact with you day to day. Even your little house sprites, like Leroy is probably around all the time. Um, whether it's your pet or little house goblins and stuff. I feel like that's who you're going to interact with. So why does your magic not involve them more? It doesn't always have to be calling down a deity, but I also believe that she's got an eye, like she's, you know, there, like she's aware of what's happening, but it's not her job to handle every little thing for me and all that. So those little signs mean a lot to me uh, when I see them. Yeah. I really like how you're saying that because I have a really similar approach it's that if I am, you know, doing a spell or doing magic um, or, I mean, usually in my daily devotional practice, like I, I always recite epithets, mm -hmm. uh, which is different than actually calling full force 
Hecate's presence, you know, I, I'm working with those energy currents that are her epithets rather than her herself. So, and I tend to, uh, like, I, you know, it's like the boss. You don't always need the boss for everything, right? <laughs> you she's know? definitely not, she's not going to micromanage you. Um, right? <laughs> that's what you need. I don't know what, maybe Jesus, but like, you're not going to need Hecate <laughs> to micromanage like your sex life or um, what you're eating. But yeah, I think that's a great way to um, maybe call on a certain aspect of her when you don't need to like call upon um you know the entire force and like i've recently well in the last couple of years i've worked with her for like a a little over 10 now is focusing more on like what like aspect of her do i want to call on for this or to assist me in this and that's where i feel like the epithets are so helpful like you know if you explore the energy of like chthonia like now that like we're recording this and we're just starting fall so we're just starting the descent um so chthonia like if you just contemplate what that means just let it like kind of sit with your soul don't do research you know just say the word and you'll get you will know what chthonia means you know when you're talking about something deep and like of the earth not like on the surface but like of the earth I think that's where you talk about that darkness, like, yeah, (laughs) we're going down. And so I think that's it. And then if you say anodia, like even without knowing what it is immediately, like it, oh, like you can feel a difference. And then if you say like a, like an aspect of her that, that is associated with, uh, like, you know, the higher self, like the more cosmic aspects of Hecate, like if you say something like astrodia, or even Clydocus, which is the keeper of the keys epithet, that, you know, just intuitively, they vibrate differently. They have a different energy. So, you know, it's like they have spirits. Those epithets of hers are spirits themselves, and they have vibrations and essences and so on. So, I mean, that's one way, um, you know, that's certainly how I teach and how I write about exploring those epithets um, I mean, we certainly like use them in petitions and prayers and so on, if you are doing rituals, but the epithets themselves have power, you know, they're like, they're elemental, they're, they're like, uh, you know, they are like a force, an archetypal force that, you know, she's connected with, and we can be, you know, more poetic about explaining this, but in very practical terms, it's like, just sit with those words and really get connected to them it can be really it can be that simple especially yeah, at this time of the year um if you are a creature of the darkness like i will always love fall and november the best um and you know like explore within yourself why that resonates with you so much yeah, you know like I mean, you know there's a reason right like it, there's a reason and you know it's not again getting back to it you know it's it's the whole just your imagination. If it resonates with you when you're alone and sitting in your room and just being quiet, if it feels right and true to you in that space, then pursue it. Don't, you know, like I always say, you know, like I, you know, in my books and in my 
like in my teachings, I, I say, you know, the, I know the things that I teach will 100% achieve the goal, what they're designed to do. And I also know that there is always space for you to interpret it your own way. And I really think that's, you know, the key is, is that there's many ways to explore like what is your own soul, what is sacred within you that will get you to the God, you know, the goddess or wherever you want to go, right? Where, wherever you want to go in the deeper world, whatever it is, um, you know, going within yourself is really the key. And I think that's why so many of us who are, you know, lovers of the dark, um, it's because we really are called to those depths, right? Like within ourselves and, and within our magic or whatever we're doing, our healing work, however we function. Yeah. And I, I think that's really something that is really challenging in our society today because we've been so kind of like force fed all of this uh, artificial positivity, you know? Yeah. In a, in um, a way, right? Like that, um, you know, if you're upset, if you're depressed, if you're having it, you know, if you're anxious, anything going on, you know, like the pressure is there to just be happy. You're supposed, we're supposed to be happy all the time and be, you know, all these things like you're on Facebook and Instagram and all these fake, these fake pictures, right? Like no one actually looks like that and no one's life is like that. Who are you kidding? Um, and, uh, and I think if you're called to the, 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 the darker aspects, it's because you kind of like, you're kind of like the jig is up. Like I know all of this false positivity is nonsense. And I know that it is in darkness that you, you find the richness, right? You find the good stuff by going in. And it's just, it's so funny that we've, uh, you know, gotten to such a place in our Western society where, you know, any slight hint of discomfort or pain or anything, it's like, oh, we got to medicate that. There must be a pill for that. And, right. you know, but that's contrary to what, uh, we know through all of like humanity is that, and if we look to the myths around Hecate, we see that the only way, whether, I mean, not Hecate, because in the mythology, Hecate is always kind of removed from the fray. But if we look at like Persephone, for example, the only way she, she found her throne was through suffering. Right. And I think, um, and not to just be like, that person but i don't know the hecateans i know for the most part um have experienced almost something that makes it worth her i don't want to say using in that sense but attention like in whatever investment it was whatever it benefits her i think it overall will kind of you know benefit your path her path what her workings for you are if you're uh, like surface level or worried about all that like I don't know she picks you know she's always done the marginalized and I think there's a big there's a big thing to be said about um, yes there's like the other I guess the flip side of that with witchcraft is the idea and the spiritualist and like the love and light stuff is oh well you don't need any of this because you just need a rose crystal um, and you're fine, or like rose quartz, and you're good. Um, there's always a way to like just fix it, and those people are ignoring like from shadow work or, you know, things like that. And um, 
there's a whole other side to that where it's like it seems like people are encouraged not to seek like medical help if there is something wrong because they they can feel that but it's to me it's just it's fake and i'm not saying that some people just aren't that bubbly and happy i've met them before i don't understand it but that's not me but then there's the ones where it's like just go go into the underworld for a little bit but they're they don't they can't they like you know they need to do the shadow work they have to face the fact that you know there's a reason shit's happening to you and there's a reason you need to like look at that if you it's not always your bad luck might be you it might not be a curse you might be cursing yourself um i've been there i've done that um so it's like the chasing the happiness i think you know is uh, is a big thing especially in this culture that um can be tied to capitalism, all this other bullshit, work and you'll be happy, have money and you'll be happy. But it's that personal reflection and that soul seeking shadow work, all of that stuff that um, one, if you do, I think you already are a nice balance. Like you're familiar with the dark. You can't just, you can't further yourself spiritually um, or even mentally if you're always suppressing <laughs> those things. And um, that's where, like, you'll find Hecate in the deities like that, in the, the spirits like that. And that's where your, like, shadow side and all that stuff will reside. And it's only going to come and bite you in the ass eventually. And it, it doesn't matter how much sage you use or how much um, rose quartz you, you rub on yourself. Um, it's not going to, like, change the fact that, you know, and I just, those people, I think, are missing out on the whole idea of, I always looked at witchcraft like a, a constant like thirst for knowledge and um, I look at it the same way like if it's fucking ghosts or Bigfoot or my magical practice or something else it's always like how do I further I don't want to know everything but I will try to find out um, and I think so many people are content without searching that with themselves is where you kind of should start um, so I feel like that's kind of why Hecate maybe chooses. I mean, I was, I feel like I was chosen. I don't feel like I, I didn't even know her name. I was like borderline atheist at the time. And I'm like, no, no. Right. Um, but that was the blowback from like growing up religious. Um, but yeah, I, this is this time of year always, you know, it's what like normal depression meets seasonal depression and um, it's, it can get dark, but there's also good things about it. Um, you know, and I think that has trickled down throughout the ages, um, whether it's survival, um, whether it's like, did the harvest do well, to um, what district are we going to be in after the election um, for the Hunger Games that are inevitable. Um, so it's like, you know, all of that is kind of that all-encompassing feeling, and it feels like a dead time to me. Um, and that's when I feel and search her and probably do the most work in myself, um, is in that time period between, I mean, it started in August, end of August when I was drinking pumpkin spice, but, um, through like, I guess February is when, you know, and it's hard to come out of that, like, you know, in spring and try to, you know, kind of, I guess, harvest, not harvest, but you're, you're thinking, well, what have I done for myself? Um, that's how I view the end of the year. And with Hecate and myself and self-work is I'm not just going to skirt through this dark time and come out next year acting like 
nothing's changed. Like I want, if it has to, it's going to suck, but if it has to come out and that's what fucking happened last year. And, um, you know, a marriage that for both of us needed to stop, you know, and we just became toxic to each other and from changing jobs, you know, there's so many different things, but that's like when that shit happens for me. So God damn, it's already coming up again. <laughs> right? It's like, here we go again. Um, and 2020 is just, I think because of like the astrology of 2020 is so unique. Um, you know, it's like we're seeing things that haven't happened for about 7,000 years um, in terms of different astrological and those are influences, right? They're like the weather. You know what I mean? Like when you get these big astrological influences, it's like, well, if the sun is shining, certain things are more likely to happen. And if it's raining every day, certain things are more likely to happen. Um, and, you know, so there's all this kind of layered on like this whole year. Um, and then this fall, you know, of course, there's a lot. I mean, it's just, there's a lot. And I don't know if in 2020, so in keeping her keys, like uh, in the coven, how we do it is we start uh, on the dark moon in October to say goodbye to the old kind of spiritual witches year. And then in November, we start like our new ritual cycle. So we do three rituals, the rituals of the sacred cave, which are like release, soul retrieval and rebirth. And we do re finish with rebirth in May. And, you know, it's just the time in the cave is the time when we sort things out, right? And I think when so many of us were like on quarantine and stuck in the house and, you know, like what you were saying, like what you went through is certainly distressing and, you know, a huge life change. But what I hear like from you is that, you know, you're acknowledging the pain of it and you're acknowledging the necessity. Um, and so you're, you're, you know, you're doing all that kind of necessary, like work. It's not I am about- not an example, but no, <laughs> but no, no I know what you mean is like, sometimes like you, you've hit that wall and you have to, you have to pick one road and you could stay on the one that you were on. And it's like, I've been doing that and it's not, I tried and it's not working. And it's like, you make those hard choices and um, not to be like self-absorbed, but I, there's something about the fact that Hecate kind of works with people that are expected. And I'm not saying that, you know, I mean, I'm sure others have had to make this choice, uh, especially around this time. Um, Cause that was always the big thing where it's like, Oh God, people are going to be like, Oh, after quarantine, it's like, of course it, but no, um, I think quarantine maybe forced a lot of people to do some shadow work. Um, that they didn't want to, that they didn't want to do. Um, but yeah, so in the end, I think um, this is like the perfect time to have this talk and especially as Hecateans and especially when I want this to come out um, and hopefully we can just, you know, not like in the world like this year, you know, at least another 10 maybe we can get. Um, but yeah, I think it's just, it's so, it seems so dark and hopeless right now, but um, I think that's kind of like the call to arms for um, not only her followers, but those dark goddesses and deities and stuff. Because um, you're kind of like fucked. I mean, you know what I mean? Like Right. It's like, we're either going to learn, we're either going to figure out what we need to figure out in this dark time, or we're fucked. Um, you know, to be blunt, right? And I think it's interesting, because I kind of have a little bit of a theory on this. 
because I've, I've heard like different um, like writers, different psychologists, depth psychologists, and they refer to the time that we're, time that we're living in as the age of Hermes. Um, and in kind of pop, the popular culture, Hermes has this really kind of truncated, oh, he's Mercury and now he's retrograde and oh, oh, he's just a funny guy that kind of messes up computers or whatnot. But Hermes, of course, um, was a chthonic, <laughs> was a psychopomp, and was a frequent in the mythology, was a frequent consort and companion of Hecate, you know? Yeah. And, you know, and I, I think we've kind of slivered off Hermes into this kind of caricature, which right. uh, isn't. But I, I think, I would say, I think we're living actually not so much, well, we are definitely in an age of Hermes, but we're really in the age of Hecate in terms of like the sacred feminine rising, uh, the need for a deity, a dominant force in the world that is um, a psychopomp, that is about, you know, help, like a soul collector, helping us get back our own soul, like, and also the soul of this planet, because let's face it, you know, the planet, like, will have her way, and she'll, she'll, she'll do soul retrieval and call her soul back to herself if we sliver off too many pieces of her. So, I mean, I think there's a lot going on. Um, and then my theory is that, you know, Hecate as a force right now is really vital for the world because we've come to this kind of huge crossroads that we either stop um, and change or we keep going and die. So when you think, you know, like a psychopomp is like, not necessarily just there after death, but is also there to help the the person make the choice, right? Like, do I, you know, do I get my my soul back to me in order, or do I, or is it time for me to leave this world? So I think there's so much there, and I think that's why, because people, I often get asked about uh, why is Hecate so popular right now, and you know, why did she show up in Sabrina? Why is her wheel showing up in Dua Lipa videos? I know, know, right? Right? Like, why are these things happening? Why? And even like, you know, total accident, total coincidence. Right? The on uh, kind of the on asked question is like, why is your book keeping her keys so popular? And and, uh, and I'm like, because like we are living in an age of Hecate, the age of the psychopomp, the age of the dark goddess, like. That is something, and I do, you, you said like really something that's really interesting and I want to just lift it up is this whole thing about being chosen. And I do kind of have this theory that some of us like, uh, you know, if you, if you want to think of it like this, like we have a soul and our soul has DNA and there's something in our code, um, you know, that we're connected to Hecate. And I think, so many of us are kind of like becoming that, which is almost like we are like transmitters of that energy. You know, when we answer her call, we become in some kind of grand planetary force, like a web that even if we're not out there protesting every day or whatever, that as we answer that calling and do our shadow work and do these things that we're actually like create, you know, contributing to this web um, that's around the planet, basically, you know, that we're, we're rejecting 
we're rejecting the status quo. We're rejecting things that are happening. And energetically, you know, we're amplifying like a web, um, you know, that is a cleavage, right? This web that is like, there's this huge fracture. And it's like we're weaving a web and we can, you know, we can help sew the fracture back together into something new. Um, yeah, I think that ties in with like the synchronicity and kind of like people meeting up or people like connecting, um, not unlike we did. And I'm sorry, but in the chat when I read, um, they put like a beacon sending out, I read that out of my peripheral as bacon. And I was like, what? Why is bacon sending? But um, no, so as far as like the web and the interconnectedness, I think that's exactly um, how it feels. And I think there's a lot of it regarding psychopomps and Hermes and Hecate uh, with liminal, like we feel like we're in a liminal spot that we're in the, it's either gonna go one or two ways and they'll still guide us. You're either gonna fuck it all up and you'll be dead and mother nature will do her thing and be fine without us. Or um, we do something in, you know, Hail Mary in the last few seconds and, you know, kind of write it. So I think that's why there's kind of like this, and it doesn't have to just be Hecate or witches, but I think that's why there's been in the last couple years too, just this calling and this call to arms of like, I have to fucking do something. Like it's not good enough anymore to just think it. You have to do it. You have to live it, whether it's your magic, whether it's like what you, like you said, going out and um, protesting or donating um, or just putting an eye on it. Um, like this is stuff that, you know, is happening to you now. It used to be, okay, well, you know, it's somebody else, but this is all of our problem and more. And, you know, where we're privileged is where we need to, to stand up for each other and where we're not um, have that web of community, whether that's witch or LGBTQ, um, just all of it, because there's a very small few that are benefiting from this bullshit and it's not the majority. And um, unfortunately there's like a cult of the people that think it involves them or they're somehow on the good side of this, but you know, you're not. Um, they've made you think that you are, but you know, you're not. And the, especially in the South, that's one of the, the hard things. Um, when you see the, like the poor white people um, that are so like prejudiced and stuff and they're very like right wing and very like pro Trump and it's like, you're in the same boat and you've always been in the same boat. You just have somebody convincing you that you are somehow better than the people that are in the same boat as you. You're, you know, we're all gonna sink together. Um, and it's just, I think it's that consciousness is trying to shift and at least almost like a death rattle at times it feels like. Um, so yeah, let's see what happens. No, <laughs> it's not, don't get depression. Um, but as far as um, like your book, um, Entering Hecate's Garden, um, that happened because of why? Like, I mean, there's well, gotta be reason. I, you know, I'm like, well, I'm gonna talk about this depression thing more. I would oh. say, <laughs> no, I would say, uh, depression is a normal state. Depression is a normal state. There are times in our lives we will be sad for good reason. Right. And it's it's not the feeling of the depression that is to be avoided. It's it's like how we experience the depression. So if you need help, if you're struggling, reach out. Um, you know, but if you are depressed, 
I mean, that to me is like a call from Hecate to be like, I'm feeling like crap. I can't get out of bed. That's both the body, mind, and the soul saying things have to change or saying that the bad thing that happened to you, you need to pay attention to it to heal from it. Right? The yeah, depression, there's definitely, there's the definitely depression is a level. symptom. It's not like the, the, the depression is like the, the flower at the top that you get to see, but it's like, what's, what are we going to learn here? So I would say that, cause I, I mean, I'm not diminishing depression at all. Um, I'm just saying like, as someone who's been in the world of depressed people for like 30 years, almost, you know, depression yeah, it's is my like, default state with a, right. No, um, right? Like, but I mean, just a huge like, splash of from the hospital and everything. I'm saying like, it's always, it's a symptom and you know, you, you need, of course, to get your treatment and learn some good coping skills and all those things because you got to function. But it's also at the same time, it's this, it's a liminal space. Depression is a liminal space. Oh, it, yeah, it certainly is. And it's very hard to like get out of uh, as somebody who has experienced um, up until recently, which I'm not, you know, out of it, of course, but somebody who's always experienced and had like a very deep in the last couple of years, um, the podcast kind of helped bring me out of that. So did Will Butrin. Um, but, uh, you know, I think it's a mix of there's not a pill will help vastly, but it's not going to repair it. Um, a therapist and coping, learning um, how to address things and all that. And it never, for somebody like me, it never goes away. But there's a lot of aspects if you talk about a spiritual side, like you have to, I feel like, be in harmony with that, whether it's doing things that make you feel good, um, medication, therapy, but also like that spiritual side, if you ignore it, I feel like it has to be balanced. And, um, you know, I feel like Hecate is just always in that, in that realm and stuff, whether you talk about like the, um, the medicinal side of things to like kind of the spiritual, the harder, darker aspects to face. Um, so I think, I think that's all tied in, but, um, as far as like your book, for instance, did, I mean, that didn't just accidentally happen. It wasn't like you're, you're not a follower of Hecate and you didn't just decide like, what am I going to write about today? Like, so what, what brought that on? Because I know it's coming out. It's coming out in all this time that we're talking about. Um, and like what kind of, I didn't get my copy yet, but, um, what kind of like, do you expect uh, or, or not expect, but what did, what I guess kind of brought it on, what led you to it besides Hecate and what, um, like why now? And you know what I mean? Um, is it kind of like a pre preparation for like what's going to happen or kind of like how? <laughs> I, how I kind of feel like I am always writing about what's going to happen. So in the first book, in the Keeping Your Keys book, and when I used to write on Pathios, one of my first blogs was uh, the holy darkness is nigh. And uh, well, here we are. Yeah. Um, you know, it was, it seems like that was only not quite three years ago and oh, what a different world we lived in then, right? Yeah, it was a little better. Um. It, was, it was different. We still, you know, it was different. Um, and so I, I kind of feel like uh, with my books, like with all my work, um, you know, my mission, my kind of mission from Hecate is to take people who are, are, who are called to engage 
in my work um, as a way of understanding themselves and, and Hecate and the deeper world better. I'm, I'm taking us all on a journey. You know, that's how I see myself. And I knew with the first book, I wanted it to be really accessible. I wanted it to be, if you're busy, you got a job, you got kids, you got a partner, you got dogs to walk, you got all these things. Um, what is something that you can work through over the course of a year that will really be transformative? So that was the first book. And then I knew I wanted to write, I wanted to go deeper um, kind of into three different aspects of the book. Um, and I really wanted to write uh, about pharmacaea, about, uh, about working with plant medicine. And I wanted to write about it in a way that was uh, really different than how, you know, like in uh, green witchcraft or, you know, and, and, and also not like in clinical herbalism and also not like in kind of more like the transcendent altered consciousness, let's all use ayahuasca. I wanted to kind of take all of that and merge it together in an accessible way to introduce people, um, you know, to like holistic plant medicine, you know, that, so that was kind of one book that I've known I've wanted to write for years and years. And then several years ago, I, I stumbled across, uh, I was reading about Jason and his Argonauts and Medea's role in the whole affair. And I stumbled across this, uh, piece in the Argonautica where uh, Jason and Medea are going to, you know, they're trying to get the fleece. Everybody wants the sheepskin. Um, and so they come and there's this beautiful passage that describes Hecate's garden. And it just, I was just like, I couldn't even, you know what I mean? Like, I was just like, how, like, why do, have I not known about this? And it's right here. Like it's right here in this ancient tale. Um, and it describes all the plants and how beautiful it was. And that was where the oak tree was at the center of the tree, you know, the center of the whole thing. And it's like that's where the fleece was. And that's where the dragon was that protected the fleece and so on and so on. It's um, like if the Garden of Eden wasn't lame. Yes. And it's like... Because <laughs> there's where, dragons in this one. <laughs> Right. And it's like, but this, but most likely this particular myth predates the Garden of Eden myth. Right. So yeah. it's like they were, you know, so it's a very different version of the story. Um, and I really wanted to just explore that in a way of like reclaiming uh, witchcraft as, you know, a healing art uh, in a, a deep healing art. Um, and so I had this crazy idea about, I wanted to write a book that was both mythic and uh, retelling this story and working with this imagery and also very practical and included things like how to make a wreath out of seaweed. Um, so yeah, and, um, yeah. I've been, <laughs> so I've it's been like trying this. to figure out how to use these belladonna berries, um, like a pie maybe, um, but no, uh, mine is not doing well. Um, it's some, like those fucking caterpillars got to it. The ones, oh. that like to, the ones that like tomatoes and eggplants, all that good stuff. But um, yeah, I think that's, that's needed because 
I don't know. There, I mean, there's the same information over and over and it's beneficial, but how many times can you read about fucking sage or, um, you know what I mean? So I think there's like, to bring it back to witchcraft as we understand it um, and to not be like the traditional um, witchcraft purist that's like, oh, this is how a tradition, it's like everybody was doing their own shit out in the woods, making their own flying ointments, but like the idea of her stuff and it being medicinal and used for things, um, like, I don't know, maybe that's talked about more often. I've certainly read it and, um, you know, people are out here talking about flying ointments and using all the, all the good stuff. But I think that's something that, again, to me feels like she was kind of like, Cindy, fucking write this shit because it's going to get worse. Um, uh, you know, I, um, I don't know what's, I don't know what's in your book, but for instance, I was talking about not long ago about the idea how, and it, it popped up too with Trump and it's even more with all the shit now, but like, so if you lose the, the rights that you have or hanging onto or that were just recently in the scheme of things given to you, like, how do you take care of yourself? Um, whether that's like uh, using medicinal like abortion methods or, um, you know what I mean? So like, this is shit the witch has always known. Hecate's been up in that shit. And it's like, to bring the conversation back around to like, I don't want to say like cottage core fucking like self-sustaining, but in a way like how to handle your own shit. Um, you know what I mean? Do you, you get what I'm trying to say? Like the apocalypse is happening and how do we, um, <laughs> what do we take for a headache? Right. What do we take for a headache? Right. Like, and how to get out back into the green world. I really think like with pharmacaea, you know, it's that practice of like, you know, we're returning, we're taking like pharma back from pharmaceuticals because pharma has always been like the practice of the natural world. You know, the green world, like it's full of medicine and we've been corrupted because these companies have, you know, like taken over like things like uh, you know, acetaminophen and aspirin and, and, um, you know, all those things. Have the, have the warnings, like if this causes, like, you do not take this if you have blah, yes. blah, blah, and all this. Yeah, <laughs> have a lot of indications. <laughs> right. They're called indications. Yes. And there's also ritual. So I, I hope my book is a beautiful hymn um, to the, the power of Hecate, Hecate's green world. You know, I wanted to really uh, introduce the reader to not necessarily a Hecate that is of the cave, you know, but a Hecate of the green world and the idea of her garden that extends from this myth because, you know, we really live in an age, um, you know, it's kind of like where the, you know, the it, it's like the... Uh, the kind of the fake veneer that was on everything has been smashed away and we kind of are starting to see things how they are. And, you know, we really need to break through that illusion of separation, right? That mm -hmm. we're, you know, that we've become disconnected from the green world. We've become disconnected from the goddess. We've become disconnected from healing our own bodies. We've become disconnected, um, you know, even from each other in a lot of ways. And, I hope that my book inspires people to, to, you know, to, my book is a remedy 
for some of those things. You know, incur through rituals and practices um, and poetry and such, I really wanted this book to be um, like a call to the Garden of the Goddess. You know, to yeah. just open your mind a little bit to the magic of Hecate's garden, a little bit. Even if it's just you go start going for walks and you start noticing what types of trees that are in your neighborhood. You yeah, and I think that give helps. Give them some attention, give the green world some attention because the planet will always seek to self-correct herself. And, uh, you know, as opposed to like destroying the green world, paying attention to the, the green world in a respectful way, um, you know, will help to correct the energy. You know, if we are witches or magicians or some such, you know, we work with energy and, you know, and just to, to live that, like that every breath you take and every choice you make not only works in practical considerations, but works in energetic considerations too. You know, like, so if we choose to live in anger, if we choose to live in denial, if we choose to not even know you know, like what birds are kind of living around us. Like it's really simple things. Because, right. you know, a lot of times people are like, I want the big, big magic. And I'm like, but you need to be still because the biggest magic is in noticing that there is an owl that calls to you every night. And that owl doesn't make sense that the owl is there. That's, you know, that's where the real magic is. So that's what I hope I do with the new book. Uh, just inspire people just to, I mean, obviously there's practical learning things in the book, but it's also about just like inspiring them with a spirit of getting back to the green world. Yeah, like when I decided to grow Belladonna, um, it was to work with the plant spirit um, and because it's pretty, it's cool, but like there's a responsibility that comes with it. Um, it's a very toxic plant and so, it's like getting to know that and um, she did really well, of course, yeah, like the tobacco hornworm, um, like, but I mean, it's also coming to the season. She had, the bees loved it. Um, so many blossoms, got all the berries now um, and they're all black. And, you know, so it's, it's one of those things where it's, it's outside um, at the house that I owned it was in a sunroom where no animals had access. Now it's outside where they can't get to it because, you know, I'm not going to be so flippant with having a poisonous plant that one of them is going to eat it. Uh, and they will. <laughs> um, so, but it, it's brought a new kind of, I don't know, I suck at um, keeping plants alive. So the fact that, um, yeah, my succulents, how did I kill those? Um, no, so. How did you kill those? Nobody can kill those. Well, I, <laughs> I uprooted it and then like potted it. I guess it didn't like, but um, I brought them from Palm Springs and they did really well till um, I decided to repot. So whichever, whatever, they'll be fine. They'll be fine. Um, but yeah, so I think like knowing that Belladonna is not something that you can just toss some seeds down and grow it. Um, I did buy it as a very small seedling covered in aphids that I thought there's no way this is going to make it, but removing aphids daily, like you really build a relationship with that, that spirit. And, um, I feel like I failed her, but no, it's the time of year. Um, uh, sometimes they overwinter here, but, um, 
she grew very tall, like three feet. Um, yeah, so I, I just feel like it, it gave me a lot of knowledge and I worked with the spirit and then I can use like the dried leaves and stuff um, to, I've got some on my altar and things like that, but to use in workings. And um, a long time ago, I bought a um, spirit vessel from Sarah Ann Lawless and it, she does like really good flying ointments and all that. I think it's Bane, Bane Folk is what her shop's called. But um, I have a little vial with like dried berries and belladonna flowers. I'm like, have always been fascinated with trying to do it. And I finally just said, why not try? I mean, the worst that could happen is it doesn't like me and it dies and I kill it. But I put a lot of work into it. And um, from getting aphids off and all this stuff. So it's like, I felt connected to Hecate with that. I felt connected to the spirit of the plant and it didn't just stop there. It kind of made me feel like, well, I can do this with other plants that are, sorry, succulents, but um, no. So I think it's just, I think it's, it's something good. Cause um, I don't, I mean, it's just, I think when, I mean, I've always liked plants, but I think until I actually started looking at it as like, a spiritual endeavor and something like a working, like more animal, animalistic idea mm -hmm. uh, it, or animist idea. <laughs> so I was started thinking like, well, okay. And I did a good job. I'm like, fucking, how did I not kill this thing? Um, how has it not killed me yet? <laughs> so um, yeah, I, I'm very excited for the book because I don't want to just stop at Belladonna. I would like to do um, a lot more. Um, that aren't so dangerous, but then also might be a little dangerous too. Uh, but no, I think it's a great, a great thing because I feel like even just planning and tending to something like that will just change, I feel like change your perspective. Um, I go hiking a lot, we go camping. I've always made it a point to like, if I don't know what something is, um, what's the good app? What's the good app that works? Hmm? Picture this. You can, it's not that expensive and they give you like a free trial, but like, it's actually pretty accurate for what it is. And um, there's nothing like when I was out in um, the mountains, I saw like bittersweet nightshade growing and I was like, Oh fuck. Like that's so cool. And it's so just that knowledge and being able to see and respect it changes so much. And I think it's important for not only Hecateans, but, um, or just witches, but like everybody in general, because what is it? The, the thing where it's like, if people don't know, or they don't care about it. So when you know about something and you're informed about it, whether it's green plant life, animals, other people, <laughs> um, the, the more you get to know, like the more it affects you and that you should care. Because some people really need that lesson pretty, like, like hammered into them pretty hard. Right. And I think, you know, I do, like, I, I intentionally, like, I did pick some, like, more widely, widely known um, plants, but I also put, put, like, some that are kind of more unusual, like seaweed. I'm surrounded with seaweed where I live, corn, um, you know, that there is a lot of, you know, it doesn't necessarily need to be um, an exotic, like, poisonous plant, although I love right. exotic poisonous plants. And I, you know, but they are kind of temperamental, so don't stress over your belladonna in general, because they are like the the, the rulers of the garden in a lot of ways, because, you know, they, they, they bring, 
blessing and bane. They're very complex spirits. And, you know, they're often used in, in cursing. Um, you know, I don't that, know anything about that. <laughs> so you've got your berries. Um, you know, you could make a quick curse bag. Um, if there was someone that, you know, you needed to banish from your life. I look at it like you can get a real quick, effective curse if you just put them berries in somebody's like uh, breakfast oatmeal. or something. Put them in their oatmeal. Um, blueberries taste weird. <laughs> I'm so sleepy. I'm sleepy. Uh, but no, uh, I hear they, they. I hear they taste like good. That's why they're dangerous. Is like they're actually sweet. Um, I haven't tasted one yet. Um, don't, no, uh, maybe don't. Yeah, um, they're pretty. <laughs> they're really pretty though. Uh, but no, uh, and I, I made a joke about a belladonna pie, I think on Instagram one time and somebody was like, oh, like, how would you go about making that? And I'm like, no, fucking, I'm joking. Like, don't do it. You'll die. But um, no, so that, um, I, I'd love to get familiar with that. Uh, and there's like so many other things. Like, I mean, I grew up like just having aloe around. There's some here um, and putting it on like a burn or something. And I think that aspect of our day-to-day -day is just lost. Like, you know, it's like a mutual, I think it's the same thing with land and plant spirits and familiars and deities. Like, you can't just ask. You have to be able to give and take care of and also get in return. So, um, Belladonna is good for cursing. Uh, <laughs> so, um, you talked about doing some kind of curse recently, um, which I don't know how you want to add that in, but um, did you use any plants for that? Yes, of course I did. Um, sorry, <laughs> sometimes I'm like, well, I am the queen of swords. Um, I can be a little bit quick. Um, so I wanted to talk, like, I think it was so great how you brought in the, uh, your belladonna and you're developing your relationship with that really complex uh, plant master, that teacher, because you learn so much from growing and tending to um, a highly poisonous plant. And so I grow foxglove and uh, aconite would be the two more like heavy duty poisons I grow. Love foxglove and um, aconite, which is moody, very moody here. Um, and so often a really simple um, technique that you can do is if you have one of these plants, like you said, you have your berries. Uh, foxglove seeds are great. If you grow foxglove, you can purchase foxglove seeds. Um, you can grow aconite. You can also purchase aconite seeds because they're used in homeopathy. Yeah. Um, aconite goes by many other names, Wolfsbane and, and so on. There's lots of names. I, have the, I bought the seeds and I was like, they ain't gonna grow in North Carolina. Um, it would be too difficult. They're very, this is not the weather for them. I'm too at the bottom of the mountains to even try to get it, but I would love to. But this, the seeds contain the spirit. So if you're talking in terms of like magic, you know, well, you, I still have those on my altar and stuff. So I didn't. Right. So you could use them in a spell and aconite in particular, which is curious because in, in like I said, they use it in homeopathy. Um, like as a healing in the very micro, micro, let's say it again, micro, micro, micro doses. Don't um, do it at home. Don't do it at home. Yeah. Because belladonna <laughs> um, can be used the same way. 
Yeah, but don't do it at home. Um, and that, you know, like, so when it occurs, I would just, I grow this stuff. So I just take a little, uh, usually a bundle of something, fox, uh, you know, the leaves or the flowers or the seeds or whatever, um, because those, those plant spirits, like their teaching, their medicine is, um, you know, to bring death or to, uh, you know, speed up, speed up the heart or to slow down the heart. You know, there's different ways that you can um, look at, you know, like their, their actual physiological actions. So if you, in the book, I talk about this, like there's the physiological actions and here's the spiritual and witchcraft actions. And there's a parallel between what they'll do. So like foxglove and aconite, although they'll both kill you, they kill you in a very different way. So, you know, if you know, you know, like how they work on the body, then you know very specifically for magical operations, like how you would employ them. So Fox, you know, but either will kill you. Right. So, you know, in, in a curse, if you want to bring like death to a situation, you know, like uh, a fanatico is basically a death bringing spell that, you know, you would, I add little bits of this and really, you know, communicate with the plant spirit that I'm using you, I'm calling you forth for this spell and here's the goal of my spell and so on. And I, I get into this in the book um, and then create a talisman and, you know, really go into working with these poisonous treasures that, you know, like you're, you're going to learn really deep, deep healing because you know, like it's what, like with Hecate, like that which can bring death, 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 uh, will also bring the most healing because it knows death. It knows, like, so that's why it's most healing because if you don't know suffering, if you don't know the darkness, if you don't know all these things, then it's really difficult to heal from them, right? Right. Like you don't know, like, and you can't, it's really difficult if you're a teacher or a healer, um, if you haven't gone through these, these things yourself, if you don't know the poison, and if you don't know that the poison, in fact, is what heals you, then it, it's very difficult to, you know what I mean, to help anybody, I find. So, yeah. I mean, that's kind of just like rambling off about this whole thing, but, but <laughs> that is to say, you know, like cursing has a place. And when you think that our spells are projections, right? They're projections, we're creating something out into the world. Um, so what is it that you're creating through this spell? Like, what is it that you're creating? And is it to bring death to something, a relationship? And I don't mean like an actual human being and putting the berries in their oatmeal. I'm talking about- yeah, don't like, do that for, um, you didn't hear that from Cindy, <laughs> who's not endorsing. Um, what we're is not that? endorsing that murder. <laughs> no, um, we're murder, no, but we're talking but no, think, about working think, with the spirits of the plant, right? And I think that you in learn, an energetic way. You learn. Um, I think back in episode two, I joked about like we talked about kudzu maybe being used for prosperity or binding and stuff. And I think it's not just a cut and dry Google search of what does this represent. It's working with them, learning them, they'll tell you, um, you'll get a feel. And then like your intuition is like your biggest tool, I think. And what can I use this for? And it doesn't even matter if you're the only fucking person, which I doubt you would be, to use it for who knows what. 
But if you're, it's your intuition and that builds your intent and that fuels the spell, then that's what's going to work for you. It doesn't have to be, but like, it's kind of a, like you were saying, the outside of the box kind of thing. Well, Belladonna is very toxic. What could I use that for other than getting somebody to die is, you know, using the essence and that spirit and the energy of it. So um, when you do a spell, use it if you're trying to, well, like get rid of somebody or like a curse. And I mean, I'm not going to lie. I've done more curses than I've ever done anything else. And I'm, I'm fine. I'm great. But no, um, so I think if you're not, if you're not scared, but like, yes, it has its place and it has a reason. And it's not just um, because somebody like cut you off and all that shit. It's, um, you know, I've never done one lightly and they always change based on the things. Um, Ava's a good one if you ever need to curse somebody. But um, it's just, it's trusting that intuition and getting used to it. Um, and like, I've used so many plants, but I honestly probably couldn't tell you I ever Googled what this one, except for the beginning. As you go on, you're like, I'm going to use this for this because it just told me to. <laughs> it feels right. So, um, but I do think that's similar in the idea that I think you just posted right before this um, about you can't, the whole thing, you can't curse if you can't, you can't heal if you can't curse and blah, blah, blah. Like, um, but that's so true is because like, how can you, yeah, if you don't know how to poison things, how are you going to know how to fix them? How do you, how do you have the right. antidote if you don't know how it works? But I think that goes hand in hand with other things that we see like privilege and shit like that. If you don't know suffering, then how do you know like the ins and outs Um it's not fun. Like nobody's saying like, gosh, I hope um, you can all suffer along with us so that you could be one of us. But um, no, I think that's a great way to look at cursing. And um, this episode kind of took on its own life, but you know, we'll have to do a more in-depth, um, I have to have you on to do a more in-depth like cursing and hexing, but we do want to touch on some of that. Cause I mean, like that's where we, that's the area we play in, right? Like I don't, I don't have a problem with cursing or hexing. I know that's always been a thing of people like, oh, you could never do that or threefold, like, fuck that. Uh, you know, like you have to be smart about it. Um, I think things pay attention and I think they're, I wouldn't call it karma, but um, if you're fucking around with stuff, the universe is going to balance itself. There's spirits around you that's going to that put you in your place. So if you're running around doing dumb shit with your magic and your spirit, something somewhere is going to fucking call you down. Um, it might not be Hecate, but it's going to be some shit around you that you're directly affecting. So I've never been one to just throw out a curse, but when I do, I make sure I've got shit in order. I make sure that it's warranted um, because it's a big energy exp expenditure. And sometimes you, you got to be careful. You do get what you ask for. Um, so you have to be very clear, um, especially now it seems like I'm, the shit's been manifesting for me. I'm like, oh God, I need to not do, worry about any, do anything bad because I don't want to manifest that shit. But um, no, I think you, you represent yourself to the spirit world, to all this stuff around you. So when you curse, if you're doing it haphazardly or in vain, or there's no real substance to it or no reason to it, like, I don't, I wouldn't call it karma and I wouldn't call it the the triple whatever what do you call it threefold rule i would just say like something's gonna like clap back at you 
Um, because you're fucking around with shit you shouldn't be fucking around with. Right? I think that's so true. And I think, I think first of all, like so many people are starved for magic, right? There's, you know, and they're, because like our world is so like devoid of magic. So it's like they get curious, something, you know, you know, something's kind of like rumbling around inside of them and they, they stumble into like Wicca or witchcraft and, you know, they find curses and they're like, oh, this is really like interesting. And they feel like, oh, I want to curse somebody. I want to bind somebody. I want to do this. Um, and, you know, like on a surface level, there will be like some kind of, like you said, there'll be like some kind of energy that you'll be able to put out into the world. And if you're not going about it um, in a way that's conducive, to your own well-being that you know you'll get blowback and you know and I think because people are so so starved for anything that is like magical and deeper you know that they'll get drawn to these things and then I've always found it just kind of really intriguing how you know then there's you know like there's this whole kind of contingent out there who's like oh, well, you can't use curses or hexes. These things will impact your life and so on. And I'm like... Yeah, that's what I'm trying to fucking do. How can that be? Like, where is this delineation? You know, for example, I might say I'm doing a banishment. I'm banishing, you know, like we do this thing in the the network, you know, um, like we start all our rituals with uh, banishment by the union of water, smoke, and fire. Um, You know, like some people would call that a cleansing or purification. Well, that is banishment. Yeah. But if you would say, I'm doing a banishing, then certain people would say, well, that's, you're not supposed to do that. But that's what cleansing and purification is, it's banishing. So I'm saying that I think even people who say, I don't do these kind of things, they're actually doing them. They just have labels to them that make it more palatable. Yeah, you and know, more comfortable. Healing, healing is about banishing or cursing disease, right? Right. So it's you like, like, you so have you, like, right? So it's, it becomes this uh, vocabulary war. Yeah, and it, I think it's people justify and they they make themselves comfortable with what they're comfortable with. So. Um, I mean, if you're doing a spell for a job and there's like 12 other people that are interviewing, they might need this job more than you supposedly, but then would your spell that benefits you? That's how I see it is you're trying to benefit your life. I mean, I'm not saying fuck everybody else, but you know, you're, you're focused on yourself. The witch is going to do change. And the people that I've had to curse have directly impacted the well-being of myself. Um, but more often than not my family and people around me, um, and not just like, oh God, they're fucking annoying. Like serious things that need to be addressed. Um, and that doesn't mean that you can't do other things on top of those. But I found that my most effective curses and spells are when you kind of petition the spirits and the universe around you to to kind of build those bridges and connections. And I've had spells and curses not work. And I just, you know, I'm like, well, I don't think about it too hard about like, well, fuck, I used dry basil. I should have used fresh from the garden basil. No, I look at it like, okay, well, the channels were not open for that. 
maybe it's a good thing I didn't get what I asked for. And, you know, things play out. Um, most of my curses ended up with people receiving some sort of justice that they needed to or being removed um, under circumstances that seemed too coincidental. Like within the week of like doing it, it's like, how have you always, you know, but it's just, I think, it, it depends on like your relationship. I think you need to build that with spirits around you because, you know, like I've said before, people argue that your magic does come from you, but if you want to get something done, it, it takes working with spirits around you and the other side. What's carrying it for you? What, what's helping it get to where it needs to go? Uh, and I've likened it to sending a letter. Um, you don't just put it on your doorstep and hope it gets there. You build channels, you have channels that it goes through and it'll most of the time get delivered. Sometimes it won't, but it doesn't mean you just give up and like, you know what I mean? So I think spells and curses are this, the, the same kind of thing. Um, and I, I'm one that always uses emotion when I do it. Um, I know some people are like, don't get emotional when you do a curse or it won't like I put, if it's anger or, you know what I mean? Like I pour that into my magic and I do the same thing with, um, other spells that I always do. I, I never just do curses, but no. Um, so I, I, you know, it's, I've seen them not work. I've seen them work. Um, I think it, it all depends on that, but it's your intuition. You know, if, and I've always said, if you feel guilty or bad about what you're about to do, then don't fucking do it. And it doesn't mean that something's trying to warn you, but if you yourself feel bad, it's, that's the easiest way to get shot in the foot is if you feel like you're not committed to it, one, it's not going to work. And two, something's going to come blowing back at you. Um, so I've never done anything that I didn't feel very strong and committed to. Uh, and that goes for cursing and hexing as well, even more so because I, you can drain the shit out of yourself doing that. Um, but yeah, I, and I think, I don't know, I don't know any Hecateans that are afraid of doing those things. But um, yeah, your plants will tell you they'll be helpful. Um, your spirit guides, things like that. Um, so definitely need to get into a more in-depth like spell and curse episode. Right. And really talking about like, you know, like that, these are not things that you just kind of like run and do, you know, like you try, like you do other things and, you know, you say, are you committed? Like you said, a curse, a hex, any kind of baneful binding, you know, any of these things that some people might call baneful or cursing um that it's like it's not something you you rush around like if it's important to you like put some effort into it you know like put your back into it put your back into it right like like you said use your intuition you know get into the flow um and be willing to accept the responsibility you do have to do that like because i've had some that i won't say blow blowed back on me but um and I didn't pay for in the sense of, but you pay for everything. Like, what is the Stephen King thing? Like, everything has a price. You're going to pay. However, there's been, not even consequences, but there's been repercussions of those things that I decided at the time, taking, like, not having a God complex, but I decided at the time those things were better than if this were to continue. Mm -hmm. And it was a sacrifice that, maybe wasn't fully mine to make, but I fucking made it. And, um, you know, it's just, it's something where it, you just, it's not just, you know, black and white, you, there's going to be gray and like, there might be a, 
there might be a downfall. Um, I'm not saying it's like, what do people say? Well, I wish I had more money. And then you have like a family member die and they give you inheritance. But I'm not saying it's not bad. <laughs> like, but I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, I think there's, um, I don't think it's so cut and dry, but I also think that you have to be prepared for, even when you do a spell, like if you want a job, like don't do a spell on a job that you don't fucking commit to. Cause I mean, you're not gonna, benefit anything from it why even waste your time or energy so don't curse something if you're not willing to take on the aftermath of it right if you're not so it, i mean it, it requires like a maturity right like that you're like yeah. i understand what i'm doing so and you know i'm going i'm going into this and i've thought about it and i've spent time to develop it you know like it i i just think this is uh i think cursing and hexing is like a real like to go into it and to explore this is like a real blessing for the witch that can expand the, the mind enough to just explore what it means to bring death whether it's death to you know something in your mind it can be you want you might want to bring death to the way you see something right like whatever you want to bring death to for example or if you want to bind someone onto themselves so they stop harassing you um, you know, like, I think that's a really beautiful thing to be able to explore that within yourself and to deny, you know, that we have that ability. Um, you know, I, I think it's just like, it's like, well, what are you, what are you playing at? Like, you know, you don't want to do these things. You don't want to, you don't want to use your magic to affect yeah. change. You want to attach labels and limits on it. Um, you know, I, I really think that's like denying yourself of, some, of something, you know, really deep that you can get to in witchcraft. But it's not something that you rush into in a frenzy, kind of running around willy nilly, you know, doing crazy things. You know, it's about, it's a lot of this, as you know, is about the contemplation of it, right? Right. And um, I, like I said, this is stuff that like builds and you learn and you think about. Uh, it doesn't just happen. And I like how in the chat, somebody's like, yeah, don't do a spell for a job if you never put out applications. Like, you can't just, shit doesn't just come to you when you ask for it. This isn't like prayers. Um, you know, it's like you have to do some work and you're feeding the energy like a battery um, and you're doing the work or nothing. Like, why, why would spirits and other shit work for you if you're like, you know what, I'm not going to fucking do anything. I'm going to wait for it to be handed to me. Then nothing's going to happen. Um, right. It's so like... Hecate can't do for you what you're not unwilling to do yourself. Exactly. So if you're not willing to go out and try to find that job, if you're not uh, in the position where you're ready to get out of that dysfunctional relationship, then, you know, it, it's, there's going to be confusion if you're working with spirits because this, you're, you're dragging things out of, you know, the ether into the everyday world and it's like but here you are in the everyday world doing sweet fuck all to, to bring about the change that you're trying to get the spell to to do for you like what there's a there's a disconnect right and if you're like an asshole and like you know don't offer anything to like who wants to help you like that's the thing is like no spirits i mean whether they're small or um like up to deities or familiar spirits like nobody's going to help you if you're just if you're not in harmony with you don't have to be in harmony with everything but like if you live a life of 
constant going against the grain, like you're not going to succeed. You're not going to get anything because like what I, like who wants to help somebody like that? Um, because they don't, they're not coming from like a place of like good intent or um, being genuine or things like that. So, but that'll definitely be another, another episode. And another I episode we'll have yeah. to get together again. Cause and we didn't even get into talking and, about familiars and like and we can't all the, talk, yeah. And we won't talk about <laughs> Belladonna berries <laughs> and where to put them. Um, so I got about like 20 minutes, I think. Um, and we can do like, what, some Q and A's or something. Um, yeah. Familiars, like, I mean, we kind of talked about them. I mean, we, we'll get there, right? Um, they're, they're, they're still here. But if you have a question about them, then feel free to ask it. Um, they're, they're, uh, they're not just easily covered, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> um, so I do plan on having a Familiars part two coming up um, with my brother, who is a, um, he was on the live stream. He uh, is a follower of Hermes and he, not unlike me, and that, that's what I thought was weird is that, like how much of it is like a familiar, familial thing and how much of it is the psychopomp aspect and having like uh, emissaries um, because his act's very similar to Ava and he's in a whole different spot than I am now with it. Like he's in a spot of and like getting to learn and start that relationship. So um, I think that'll bring a good perspective to it. Um, and I also want to talk about um, so much more with them. So there's plenty of familiars and curses coming up. I mean, and plants, we'll do, we'll do more plants. More plants, always more plants. And familiars are really interesting. Um, I love how, the thing I love about familiars, like especially if they're like a purely kind of like etheric like there's no corporeal element the non-corporeal ones right you know that's just purely something that you've created like a servitor or it's not okay it's not this it is not particular it could She's be putting her head in the light that the ring light i have um <laughs> oh, was she? she's putting her head in there and it's like yeah it's not this this is not a familiar but i'm a familiar see and she's trying to get in the shark coochie board, which is. <laughs> the shark, did you call it shark coochie? Yes. <laughs> I tagged you in twi on Twitter with Devin Hunter because we were joking about, uh, I think it's, did it start on TikTok, but it's like shark coochie board. And uh, so now that's what it's, what it's known as. Uh, there's cutting boards out there that are shaped like sharks. Um, so yeah. No, I don't TikTok. I don't even really Twitter. I don't. No, which is fine. I shouldn't be doing either one, but um, <laughs> I always forget I have. Well, I, need, I need people to TikTok and Twitter so you can give me reports on what goes on in these places. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'll keep you up to date on all the shark coochies, um, all the. Uh, what, what else is. Trendy? Shark coochies. Yeah. I love a good shark coochie. Well, um, this has been a lot of fun. I'm sure we'll do yeah. it again. Uh, I do have to run, but um, it was a lot of fun. I thank everybody for showing up. I appreciate it, and I'll see you next time. All right, see you later. Well, I hope you all enjoyed that interview as much as I did being a part of it. It was great hanging out with Cindy and the members of Keeping Her Keys. Like I said, you can get her book coming up uh, in November, and it's Hecate's Garden 
yeah, so we'll have to talk with her again about familiars and get more in depth. I know that was the original plan, but, you know, things happen and episodes and interviews take on a life of their own. So if you want to follow Cursed and you want to hear more, you can um, check out the Patreon. Again, the Patreon will have the full video interview with questions and answers. It's like almost two and a half hours long. I'll have that up uh, in the week after this for everyone. And there'll be some Hex Files bonus content coming your way on there as well that week. To find Cursed uh, on Instagram, it's at CursedCast. On Twitter, it's podcast underscore Cursed. Subscribe wherever you listen. That way you get updated on new episodes. And follow me and Hex Files uh, on the same podcast things. Uh, rate, like I said, rating and review really help the show, um, as well as Patreon support. Uh, well, until next time, like I said, the next episode will be Corey and Corpse Magic from New World Witchery. Had a lot of fun with that one. Thank you guys. And until next time, goodbye. Cursed is hosted, edited, and produced by Joshua McWilliams. The theme for Cursed is Voice of the Trees by Sun and Moon Dance. You can find them at sunandmoondance.bandcamp.com.